Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome. This is episode 122 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking to pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Hannett, and I am joined this week by a man who was actually quite lucky in that, uh, much like the, uh, the, the Fox clan, who managed to be de- de- deemed as first-class Australian citizens by the Queensland government has been allowed to fly up to Queensland and is now living in um, in McDoohan's other Palm Beach uh, mansion without having to worry about quarantine. So he and his family can go swimming down at the beach, waving to the uh, to, to Lindsay Fox's sons and all their family. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? Good, Robbie. Good, mate. Are you, you've been seeing the articles about me around the around the uh, the pool at the the Ridges Hotel. Have you with my in my in my in my uh, in my G string just sunning myself is that right one of the wags yeah I, i'm actually really surprised at how well your spray tan came up because i know you couldn't have been getting that much sun down here in melbourne because you're not allowed out for long enough but somehow you managed to really get yourself tanned up in such a short period of time up in queensland i was just trying to see whether or not on that white towel whether or not the the fake tan was was white washing off there lewis you know well, well i did i did sneak out for a quick spray tan and then posted on instagram and then had to quickly take it down because oh, I'm not technically allowed out of the it's hub. Not an essential. So, oh, ah, yeah, 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 gotcha. Yeah, righty, yeah, righty. Yeah. Uh, now, now tell me because this is something that I observed. Because uh, we see uh, us poor, you know, lockdown people here in Melbourne, you know, we're only allowed out, you know, for yeah, which uh, some of the some of the um, the, the guys I know are, um, on the, the the dads group. I mean, they we're, we're getting. Like any group of people, there's different people of differing political spectra, you know? Right. And there's some people that think that what's happening with the lockdown is really good. And there's yes. some people that put on, you know, dictator Dan posts, right? Yes. <sighs> okay. So um, now I, I, I don't care as long as it's working, I don't care whether or not we have to walk around with gutted trout in our heads, you know, I mean, that'd be terrible for a vegan admittedly, but um, <laughs> it, but walking around this morning, so it's a beautiful sunny Saturday morning here in Parkdale. So the cafes are absolutely pumping, but what's happening is that it seems that, and I must've missed this memo overnight, is that there seems to be an allowance that you don't have to wear your mask when you're drinking a takeaway coffee. Yes. So, so as long as you're drinking a takeaway coffee or you've got a takeaway coffee mug in your hands, that that's a, uh, one of the allowances where you're allowed to have your, your mask around your chin. Yes. Now, I, I missed that, but I'm, there's so many people doing it, it must be law now. Oh, all right, cigarette. Yep, have me cigarette, something to eat, coffee. How, fun, how funny is that? You see people pulling their mask down so they can <laughs> suck on a dart. Yeah. It's like, hey, that's all right. You're all good. You know, the, the cigarette's going to burn any corona that tries getting down in your airway. So that's okay. <laughs> but isn't, is, I mean, uh, just so listeners that don't know, we're in Melbourne. We've, we've gone to stage. Oh, you are in Melbourne, are you? Yeah, I thought yeah, you, we're, uh, yeah, we're, we've moved away from the thing of where, yeah, you, you, you managed to get up there from all your, all your trucking money. <laughs> oh, we are in stage four lockdown, which is basically just, uh, we've got a curfew on. It's pretty full on with all the COVID stuff. And I agree with you, mate. 
right? There's a lot of shaming that's going on. You know, you, you, I, I don't know about you, but you go out, you know, you go to riding to work and I'll see someone without a mask on and I'll say, why are they wearing a mask? What's their reason? You know, and I, and there's that shame. And the other, other night it was, it was bin, bin night the, um, this morning. And so last night I was, uh, I was, um, taken out, taken out the recycling and, uh, and normally, you know, you, when you're taking out the recycling, you know, the clang of the bottles and, you, and your neighbors sort of look at you and go, it's all right. I'm not alcoholic. We had a party the other night. It's all good. Every, it's okay. Well, last night I was taking out the big clang of the bottles. I was like, uh, it's okay. I am an alcoholic and I did not have a party. So, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in lockdown. That's fine. Look, so are we. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We didn't have a party. It's okay. It's okay. I'm an alcoholic. It's all good. It, so. it ma- makes it easier for Dan Murphy's when they can just go down your street and just drop off all the bottles. Yeah, you know, like like the milkman. Yeah, you know, walks out there with a six pack of uh, six pack of wines. You know, hey, you got to get through home learning somehow. Oh yeah, mate. Well, that's right. Well, isn't it isn't it saying that uh, this generation's gonna be known as the generation that's that's um, been. Uh, had the teachers as their drunk parents, uh, <laughs> alcoholic parents as their teachers. Ah. I don't know. That's interesting. There'll be, stuff. There'll, there'll be a meme for it, I'm sure. You yeah, know? definitely. It, it, it would be great, great for the psychologist. So, same as for us trying to deal with all the COVID puppies, you're going to have all the COVID kids, oh. you know, that have had to deal with parents that are, you know, just you know, drinking out of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, home, home learning juice bottle. They, you know, yeah, their coffee cup. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling the mask down, drinking from the coffee right. cup. Drinking the, uh, the, the cab serve out of the coffee cup. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of curfew, I actually had to break curfew last night. I was, I was very naughty. I was um, up and down the street. Um, yeah, we've been uh, off air talking about this, but um, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're, we've got a, 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 a MIA or cat cat missing in action oh, mate. here at the Anderton House. Unfortunately, poor um poor Parker, the tabby cat. He uh, he went out uh, at half past six last night and did not return. So, oh, no. so we've been out doing the um. So I was out sort of shining the light and all the neighbours. Uh, yep. And I was um whenever it was a, ca- a car coming, I'd always run back into my own front yard. <laughs> so I'd be walking up and down the street. And the good thing is because it's dark, you can see that the the cars coming. Either just in case it's the fuzz, you know, right. So as soon as I see a car coming, I go, just hightail it back into my driveway and wait until they go past and then back out again. So, oh, um, but, but no, so, like you haven't, yeah. you haven't found yet. No, no. So we've done all the things. Yeah. So I, um, uh, rang up all the vet clinics and everything this morning. Um, but it's funny, you know, so, um, you know, the, you know, there's the, the things in your head that you do. You go, okay, right, go and open up all the cupboards. The good thing is we don't have a shed here that's got a door on it. So he's not going to get caught in our shed. Um, but, ring up the vet clinics. Yeah. I know his microchip details are all up to date, but when you're ringing around the vet clinics, you know, they, um, they're always going, Oh, now, um, you know, was he wearing a collar? Well, actually he wasn't because he keeps getting it off. Okay. Right. You know, is his microchip um, up to date? Yes. His microchip is up to date. Oh, what's, what's all your details now? You know, try and call all the other vet clinics and, and go to your neighbors and see whether get them to open up their sheds and go, yep. yeah, no, I know. I know. <laughs> Well, once I got to the the first few times, it's like, oh, no, that's really great advice. Thank you. Yep. And then after that, as you're going through, I go, look, I'll be honest with you. You know, I'm a vet. I kind of know. Oh, okay. Right. No problems. And because that's what you were saying that, you know, you and Deb were um, were, were thinking, you know, oh, have you done this? You've done that. And it's like, yeah, no. And and look, you appreciate it. You really do. Because, you know, that sometimes you go, oh, uh, you know, every now and again, somebody sort of throws a, 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 um, a great idea. And so you always take them all on board. But yeah, we've kind of done all the things like we've got our street 
Facebook group. So I've posted on that. And so after ringing up the vet clinics, Christina and the kids have just gone around knocking on the neighbor's doors. So if he's still not turning up tomorrow, then we're going to let a box drop and yeah. all that well, sort of stuff. Yeah, so, well, yeah. As soon as you sent the text, you know, my mind straight, straight into that vet mode went, Oh, oh no, have they done this? You know, I went, Oh, you know, five things reeled off in my head in quick succession. And I went, Yep, I'm pretty sure he's done all those. And then I told Deb, I said, oh, you know, unfortunately, you know, a Parker's gone missing overnight. And uh, and Deb's gone, has he tried this? Because you know the neighbor's cat did this. And then this, and I said, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure. You know, we'll just send that little one about just checking the cupboards because, you know, sometimes that's not one that, you know. But no, you're on top of that. All good. So, uh, yeah. All sorted. So, fingers crossed, fingers crossed he, d- he turns up. He's never been, like, he's, he's gone overnight before, but he's never, never not come back yeah. the next day. So. You know, we're, um, yeah, and, and the, the problem is, is that you can't, you can't switch off your vet brain, you know, no, as much as what no. you, you, as much as what you can, your vet brain helps you to think about all the things you have to do when your animal's missing. I also then know all the stuff that can mm-hmm. happen, you know, and mm-hmm. especially for him to not be coming back. So yes. anyway, we'll keep yes. everyone up to date. Fingers crossed he does all right. But, you know, at the end of a, the end of a rough stage four lockdown week at work, it was, I was looking forward to having a nice, calming, relaxing <sighs> weekend and uh, hasn't happened. But anyway, yeah. that's right. Oh, that's tough. But what reminds it like Olive, uh, a similar sort of thing. Olive went missing. I was a couple of years ago now. The kids are a fair bit younger, I think. And, uh, and they always say this joke, saying to me, oh, Daddy love Olive. And I was like, oh, nah, not really. Not really, no. <laughs> Daddy love Olive. Don't when I'm patting her on the lap and I'm giving her cuddles and kissing her. Daddy love her. No, not really. Not really. Yeah. And Just then, no yeah. wonder she turns around and tries to bite you when you take her to work then. You've been, you know, you've been yeah. sending her all these mixed messages for so many years, Lewis. And then this one one night came home and uh and yeah, she was missing, didn't didn't come home. And uh yeah. and so yep. Classic, you know, sort of what you do out yelling, you know, walking up and down the streets, around the block, oh, they've calling out, torch, everything, doing that sort of thing, and and looking for her, and uh, and um, and yeah, she didn't come, she didn't come home, and and you know, sort of fairly worried about it anyway, and then sort of that that morning about uh, sort of four a.m. in the morning, the cat flap goes bang bang, it's like Olive, and the whole house, and everyone, oh, like, well, woke up, ran downstairs, you know, here's Olive, yep, yep. And then kids going, Dad, you do love Olive, don't you? I was like, Yeah, maybe I do. Yeah, yeah, you got me, you got me there, girls. You got me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so hopefully, that Mr. Parker, mate, you'll either yeah. three o'clock in the morning, bang, 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 we're back in. Fingers crossed. In the house. Yeah. yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so what's been happening for you this week, buddy? Oh, look, uh, it's been been a busy week. You know, we're, we're going to clients outside the building again, which is um, which is contactless, which is which is great. Um, okay, so good. Yeah. W- what we should be doing for the community, I think, and doing for the safety of everybody. Yes. Uh, but interesting thing, I don't know if you noticed this, mate. I've had a couple of puppies come in for their third vaccination. Yeah. Um, that um, because we're all in lockdown and puppies aren't really getting out for their socialisation, I've noticed a little bit of a trend where puppies are really not enjoying their third vaccine. Now, that, that might be a bit uh, counterintuitive to, to owners out there, but I really work hard on when I give them the second vaccine, um, work hard on lots of treats. I've peanut butter snit on the table. I really make it a really, really good visit. We use vaccines that hopefully don't sting. We use the intranasal yeah. one. Um, so hopefully it goes, you know, goes fairly smoothly for that, for that sort of 12 week one. But then I'm seeing these puppies, we give a final one at 16 weeks and it'll vary depending on the clinic you're at or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there, and there are puppies that now, like when they see me, they're like, no, nah, 
you know, even though I know we've had a really good visit last time, like there's some puppies, yeah, you go stung or, you know, really didn't enjoy that. And I'll make a note in the notes and, and I'll know yeah. Yeah, next time it's not so keen on it. But I know in my head that this actually was a really good visit last time. But I think what it's got down to is the fact that all these puppies are seeing are the people in their home environment. Yeah. And they're coming and seeing me and having a, a, a tiny little bad experience and there's nothing in between. Yeah, There's right. no going out to the park, seeing 500 different people in that four weeks. And so all they've got in their memory is I go home and have fun and I come here and I, I get a needle and it's no, it's no dilution factor of that puppy sort of diluting down the bad experience we've had perhaps at the vet that wasn't necessarily a bad experience. Just wasn't as, wasn't a, a run at the park or whatever it might be. Yeah. So I don't know if you're seeing that at all, mate, or if you like puppies a bit more reactive. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think so with that um i think it's a, it's a very interesting observation because i think we are seeing um differences in the way that the puppies are acting in general i think part of that is the um it, it might also be that uh you know the puppies especially in this lockdown period they are only spending time with their with their owners all the time you know and the fact especially now if um we're doing it where the owners aren't coming into the clinic um that suddenly it's like, well, hang on, why, why, where, who, who are you? You're not my people, you know, and they're not getting to spend that good quality time with, you know, Auntie Flo or yeah. with the next door neighbor who's coming over for a cup of tea or the next door neighbor's kids to come mm. over and play with the puppy. So I think it's, you're probably right with that dilution thing of just seeing, having positive experiences with people other than your family, because mm. when they're down at the off leg dog park, they're not really off, uh, uh, hanging around with other people. They're only hanging around with other dogs. Sure. Um, but know, often the walk there, if they're a cute puppy, they'll be, you know, they'll be stopped 50 times just getting to the park. Cause everyone wants to pat the cute puppy, you know? Yeah. But even, even now, like I think people are less likely to try and pat their, cause now, now the people are becoming a lot more conscious of, oh, yeah. you know, of, of how they're interacting with people. So, but it's, it's definitely an interesting observation. But, but in the past, wonder, as I'm saying, the past, yeah. they walk down the park, everyone's wants to pat the puppy, oh, sure. you know, walk no, up the street. You. There's no one around now. So they're really not getting that, uh, those good positive experiences, I think. And that, yeah. So I'd sort of wonder how those puppies are going to go once we all come out of lockdown and, and um, it, it's a, it's an interesting social experiment, I suppose, that we're doing, which hopefully doesn't affect a huge number of puppies that are, that everyone's taking on board during COVID. Well, I tell you what, um, can, can we crack open the mailbag at this early point? Because I think you know, um, the, the question that I had from, um, from Ebony, we might actually be able to um, answer this here. So this is from um, uh, Ebony has asked, my dog is freaking out at the off lead dog park now with people wearing masks, you know, um, uh, and you know, uh, thank you very much for Lewis. And you know, she mentioned something about Deb going, being on again, but I've sort of missed reading that part. Um, We've got another email about that later, mate. Yeah, oh, do, oh, excellent. Yeah. Well, we'll get, we'll get to that one then. Um, but um, what I, I, I do, because I've had it happen a couple of times where dogs that previously have been good coming into the clinic, now things are a little bit weird for them because we're all wearing masks, you know, and I do wonder, you know, um, as well, because the only time when these little puppies are seeing people not wearing masks is at home and every other time it's, it's, mm. it's masks on, you know? So again, with that social experiment thing, I do wonder what it's going to be like with these little dogs, you know? Do well, you think I reckon, it- well, I reckon with dogs, with the, the mask stuff, I reckon they're really good at reading body language from other cues. Like yeah, okay. uh, they're very good with, um, like obviously as humans, we're very verbal, but, but yeah. dogs are very good at reading our body language. And I reckon they can read much more from our faces with masks on than we can ever read, you know? Yeah, I, right. I mean, you're probably, 
you know, uh, I'm finding it a bit difficult. You know, your clients are outside the building now, so it's, so it's a bit easier. But certainly when we all started wearing masks, it was, it was difficult to get emotional, uh, you know, perhaps at a euthanasia or something to show that you, you know, you, or you're talking through options, which include euthanasia or something very sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, very hard to show those emotions. But I feel that, that, uh, that puppies probably are going to be actually probably better equipped for that sort of thing. And when the masks do come off, they'll, they'll be really, really quite aware of, um, of, 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 of body language and that sort of thing. But, but as far yeah, as the, right. yeah, dog being scared in the dog park of them, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. so whether or not it's that it's just a, a, a culmination of different things. I mean, a dog's probably got a bit of uh, underlying, you know, anxiety or fear or something there. And it's, and to be honest, awfully dog parks are not quiet at the moment either, yes, you know, yes. like again, as a, um, you know, as a, as my own observation, much like the, um, the, the, the drinking of coffee cups, um, and, and putting masks down. Um, I am amazed that they haven't shut down awfully dog parks because, you know, between five and six o'clock, you know, there, there could be a hundred people at an awfully dog park down the road from us. And, um, everyone's just hanging around you know the, you, you can't do that at, at Woolworths you can't do that at no. outside a cafe no. um but you can do it at the Offaly dog park yeah it's weird so, we got yeah. the same here mate yeah definitely I rode home from work the other day it was uh uh six o'clock at night I think yeah and it was just the, the Offaly dog park was just just packed with um packed with people and didn't appear to be a lot of social distancing between owners but anyway yeah. that's that's yeah. um that's unfortunate well, so I guess with um for for Ebony's question, it might be a matter of just trying to um associate the masks with positive things. Do you think, like just giving them, you know, get, giving treats and things at the Offaly Dog Park, and maybe you know if you do go down there, as a hundred people there, maybe keep on going, but maybe try and go back there at times when there's not as many people there, have some positive experiences, some fun times there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think maybe even think about wearing a mask inside, doing some training with some treats inside yourself. You know, the yeah, cool. The owners um rotating through wearing a mask inside, getting in the dog to respond um in that way and then yeah you, yeah just using food rewards i think you go to the park or you walk past someone with a mask on give them a few treats you know try and make it a good experience exactly cool yep, spot on mate good Very stuff good. Uh, what else have you got in your uh in your you know oh. st- stuff to talk about before we move have to move? <laughs> <laughs> well interesting this week i had a, a a cat come in um now um the owners were, they live in the Docklands. So Docklands quite a bit, fair bit of high rise stuff. And they, um, they, they lived on the 14th floor um, in the Docklands and similar to, similar to Parker sort of situation. They'd come home uh, one, one night and the cat wasn't in the apartment it on the 14th floor. It disappeared. Gone. Gone. On the 14th floor. So of course I rang up, you know, and I said, well, you know, did you, did you walk around the neighborhood? Uh, well, actually we're on the 14th floor. Okay. Right. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Did, did you, you vet- float around the yeah. neighborhood? On a, on a local vet clinic? Yes, that's you. Yeah. Right. Great. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, tick. <laughs> so of course I said, you know, have a look around the apartment, all that sort of stuff. And, um, and, uh, and then they got a, uh, they got a phone call yeah. from somebody in the same apartment block on the fourth floor, we've got your cat. Get out of town. How's wow. That? How's that? So it's obviously undone the lock at the, at the door, walked out in the foyer, being pressed the lift, the button. Dip, fourth floor, got out the fourth floor, picked the lock of the fourth floor apartment, gone in there, 
and uh, and walked out onto the balcony, the fourth floor. Amazing, couldn't believe is, it. Is there any any um, uh, notices on the the elevator there that the cats have to use their elbows when they're trying to push the button in the <laughs> elevators, Lewis, in order to try and reduce down the spread of COVID? Just the hand sanitizer there, just in front of the in front of the lift. But are they hand sanitizing all four hands or just the front two? Just, just the main ones, maybe. Just the main you know? ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they, or maybe they have to do the back ones for when they try and jump up. Yeah, or especially if they're going to be like those delinquent kids and they sort of try and push as many buttons as they can. <laughs> so, so maybe that's when they need to dip the dip the back feet in too. So how is that? It turns out that it must have snuck out through the the door onto the onto the balcony. Yeah, and it's actually made the leap off the balcony and landed on the fourth floor. Fell ten floors. That's insane. And landed on the balcony and. Uh, and it was quite unwell initially. Um, right. It was walking around okay, but uh, then got a little bit of anemia. So we, um, we did an ultrasound for it. It had a big blood clot sitting next to one of its kidneys. Oh, okay. Which uh, which turned out to be okay. We did x-rays, full body x-rays, you know, diaphragms all okay. Nothing, nothing yeah. really obvious. Um, but uh, but cats sort of finally recovering, a bit of pain relief and, and some monitoring and, and thankfully all okay. So there you go, mate. There's the new one jumping 10 floors. Incredible. Uh, and you'd, you'd think, you wonder whether or not if the cat has a cat jumped out and then managed to open its arms out and try and sort of sugar glide its way sugar back glide. in again, or was it just that it's gone down and it's just been doing the tumbling, yep. you know, sort of hit, hit, hit a balcony, hit another balcony, hit another balcony. Oh, and I started it, thinking along those lines, like when they were ringing on the phone going, yeah, he's fallen 10 floors. I started, my mind started with the sugar glider and then went to the, Dunk, 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 And I thought perhaps we better see the cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you can kind of, you kind of picture it there with its little, little, little goggles on and wearing one of those jumpsuits that when you, so yeah. that when it puts the, its arms out. Jowls yeah. flapping in the breeze. Yeah. So it goes down. Yeah. yeah I could figure that. Fl- fluffing its tail out and using yeah. its tail as a little runner to try and point it in a certain direction. Some kind of Looney Tunes cartoon, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, but I think I think it might have been more of a wily e coyote kind of uh, situation there. If you yeah, just thumpity thump thump. Well, I'm glad the cat's doing okay though. Yes, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, now, now tell me, was that cat fairly stressed after that? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What, did you, what did you use to try and help its anxiety? Oh, interestingly, I could have used some silk and it was a bit ill, so we worked on that first. But, <laughs> but definitely, uh, definitely yeah, dealt with that whole blood clot around yeah. kidney situation. Yes, yeah. yeah, the anemia and uh, the pain. <laughs> <laughs> and then we gave some food, some delicate care food with some oh, silk right, and yeah. sprinkled on it, of course. Oh, excellent. Very so good. the mild anxiety lowering supplement. Um, really had a client that. Uh, uh, that sending their, uh, their dog is going to Perth, I think. And, I'm, and the owner was saying, we're going to try and fly because yep. I don't know that you can travel by car. Anyway, I'm not sure the logistics and the dog dogs are a nervous wreck. So and we talked about really, there's not a lot. We're not allowed to medicate if they're going on the plane. Yeah. Um, so look, let's, let's get them started on some Zilkeen. And so we talked about putting on some Zilkeen and, and, and getting them used to the crate and training. And, and so, so really good, good way of, of knowing it's safe. You know, it's not going to cause sedation. It's not going to cause any issues. Rarely causes sometimes maybe a bit of, bit of the runs, but, uh, but really good for, for the safe, those sort of safe mild anxieties to help, help that dog cope with the plane flight. 
and can be used in, in, with really any other medication as well, whether your animal's on anti-inflammatories, whether it's on antibiotics, whether it's, um, so like I, I had a cat during the week that's um, uh, trying to, oh, it's uh, toileting inappropriately. Yep. Um, and so we've got it on other pain relief and things like that because it doesn't look like it's got uh, uh, in, infection or crystals or anything like that. And it's um, in its urine. So got it on pain relief, but I know that I can use the Zilkeen with that. No problems at all. Yep. Or um, also using it um, for, dogs if they're on other anxiety medications can use a zilkeen with it as well so yeah super safe and uh if you think it could be part of your stressy pets treatment regime why not have a uh have a chat to your vet about it exactly it, not, it will work exactly if, and if, if it will work yeah <laughs> and if um if you wanted to um entice parker back to the Back to the home, mate. You know, really wanted to to get something really good out there that might encourage Parker to put. Is there any sort of food that you might perhaps put well, out specifically? Well, well, funny you mention that. We're out there with the um the delicate care in the plastic <laughs> container, rattling it around. You know, at, at I could after, imagine after curfew last night. You know, yeah, that's the that's the that's the tin rattle that we have to try and get him in. So um so he was out there, and the delicate care sounded very enticing as far as I was concerned. But Parker didn't seem to think it was enticing. I could hear Melvin yelling his head oh, off that's... inside, even though he'd already had his dinner. So um so he, Mel, Melvin was pretty. He he thinks it's certainly worthwhile coming home for. But um delicate care Australian made. Um, I actually was talking to an owner yesterday with um, a cat that's um, a friend of the show, Dr. Clint Udelman, um, internal medicine specialist, came in and uh, took some uh, intestinal and stomach biopsies from this kitty cat and it's got inflammatory bowel disease. And so we're talking about getting it started on a novel protein diet of which uh, the um, the skin and stomach uh uh, option is a good one for cats because it's yep. uh, made out of kangaroo and duck. So, you know, it's um, good, good, uh, you know, odd proteins, but it's a complete diet, which is good. So you don't have to worry about trying to manage with micronutrients and things like that. But um, in the dog side of things, you've got lots of different uh, varieties. They've got the, uh, uh, the, the weight management, the mobility support. They've got the, um, the growth one, um, the, uh, the cognitive support that's, uh, that's on its way. And, uh, and yeah, as I say, the, uh, the dental one now for cats too. Yeah, fantastic. Yep, yep, good stuff. And I've got a little bit. Uh, we the article we're going to talk about today is a little bit on the gut microbiome that was suggested um, uh, when we did the interview Prof Costa, oh, the brain, yeah. brains behind delicate care. So we'll get we'll touch a bit more on food stuff today. I think nice, very uh, good. But also a big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Uh, we got a I got a lovely email during the week. We didn't we didn't get to record last weekend, did we, mate? We we had no. a hectic hectic period. Um, but did get a lovely email from Decal Gal um, saying, I hope everyone's okay. Um, just reading out here. I hope everyone's okay. Maybe next time, if you're going to have a break, you could get Deb to record on her own. Oh, there you go. Whoa. A, a, a Deb solo show. Wow. Gee there whiz. Wow. Well, thanks for the kind thoughts, uh, Suzanne. But um, yeah, didn't didn't expect to get the slap as well. That uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we did have every intention of doing it, but Friday yeah. turned to turned to Saturday, and you know you had a lot on and and some. Uh, you know, so yeah, no, we had to. We yeah. decided we'd put a fork in it for last week, and you know to have a have a week off. Anyway, I'm sure everyone everyone knows we're back. We're back. So thank you very much, Patreon supporters. Um, and uh, we really appreciate your support. Go to patreon.com um, and for as little as two bucks a month, you can help us to do this, pay for the Zoomy Zoom Zoom. 
that yes. we're doing online at the moment. And if you're, in the, if you're in the US of A, the decal girl will send you out a sticker because yes. Lewis Goloffy's bum and sent her a stack of them. Yes. So, yeah. yes. Now, have you heard uh, in the news, mate, uh, about the avian influenza outbreak? <gasps> Bird flu? Yeah. It's back! Oh, I know, mate. If it, wasn't a, if it wasn't coronavirus, if it wasn't... Kobe Bryant dying. If it wasn't the bushfires, what is it now? It's bird flu. Bird, bird flu's bird. back. So avian influenza. This is uh, from uh, this is a biosecurity alert that I got sent from the chief veterinary officer. Oh, Mark oh, Ship. Yeah, um, you're our uh, mate. Did he send it to you on Twitter? Did he? Friend of the, uh, no. He no. might have. He could probably probably tweet it tweeted it out. Yeah, but, in uh, one of those ones where you got to put it out in like fifteen different. <laughs> different ones. Yeah, yes. when people have a really big diatribe. Yeah. Yes. Now this is um, Agriculture Victoria is responding to an outbreak of two strains of avian influenza. There is an outbreak of highly pathogenic H7N7 on two properties near Lethbridge in the Golden Plain Shire. Now, what I've got it? no idea where that is. I think it's down no. near Geelong. Yeah. I don't know. You, you, he, can, you, can, you yeah. keep reading. I'll, I'll, I'll work it out. Golden and a second Shire. property near Bansdale in East Gippsland Shire. So I don't know where that is. That's down, down Bansdale. Well, they, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Bansdale's near Bansdale. I've got a fair idea. It's sister-in-law's from down that way. So I do, do know where, where, kind of where that is. I did work down there too. So uh, Golden Plains is a vibrant and progressive, progressive municipality situated between Geelong, Ballarat and Melbourne. Right. Geelong way. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, so what is avian influenza is a serious disease of poultry and highly pathogenic strains can cause high mortality. Australia has previously had a small number of outbreaks of avian influenza. These rules quickly and successfully eradicated. So while birds can carry avian influenza without showing any signs of infection are the most likely source of infection in poultry. It is not unusual for spillover events to occur when, Avian influenza from wild birds inflects, infects domestic poultry stocks. Um, now everyone probably worries about the human aspect to it. Um, so the Victorian Department of Health and Human Services has advised that the detected strains of avian influenza are not a risk to the public as they really affect humans unless there is direct contact and close contact with sick birds. There are no food safety issues identified. Properly cooked chicken meat and eggs are safe to eat. Pretty sure that's a blanket statement that you go with all the time. In general, yes. yes yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, that, that's that's certainly one of Colonel Sanders' main tenements. You know, he has, he has that on the back of the employee toilet. Make sure that the chicken's cooked so you don't get avian influenza. That's right. Don't the raw popcorn chicken. That's, that's off the menu this week. Off the menu. Yes. Off the menu. Yeah, we're yes. not doing that anymore. Um, this infection is not the highly pathogenic H5N1 or H1N1 strains that have gained worldwide attention due to serious public health impacts. They are in no way related to the current COVID-19 pandemic. Um, if you have had contact with birds on an affected porridge, property or experiencing cold or flu symptoms, call your doctor or the Department of Health and Human Services. So a little bit about avian influenza. It's also known as bird flu, as you said, or the foul plague. Foul uh, plague. Jeez, foul that's, plague. A, that's, that's loaded. Mm. Yeah. Mm, more ways than one. There are many combinations of subtypes. Um, so there's low pathogenic or mild strains, which cause, you know, low symptoms, I guess, and highly pathogenic, which, which kill a lot of, lot of, um, lot of poultry. So chickens, ducks, geese, turkeys, guinea fowl, quail, peasants, and ostriches are all included. Peasants. In more than... It kills peasants. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, you have to show uh, it's means tested. So is it? Yeah, right. If you catch it, you have to show your previous five tax returns. Yeah. Okay. And if, and if you're not above threshold, yes, unfortunate that it does affect the peasants. 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 Yes. Are, are, are pheasants affected as much as what peasants are? <laughs> I don't know. The study has been done. They're working I, on it. Okay. Um. How about because some peasants may be employed as pheasant pluckers. So I'm just wondering whether or not, is there a risk if you're a pheasant plucker that, that you could also contract avian flu? Uh, a pl- sorry, did you say a pl- plucker? Yes. Yes. Sorry, mate. Just a broke a, up on the Zoom then. It sounded like you said something else. It crackled a bit, did it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just wondering that if you're a, a, <laughs> a, a peasant, peasant plucker. Yeah. If you're a peasant, a peasant plucker. Yes. A peasant plucker. A, a peasant pheasant plucker. What if you're a pleasant peasant pheasant plucker? Uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to cast aspersions on whether the peasant pheasant pluckers are pleasant or not. Because I, I, I don't think that should be a difference of whether they're pleasant or not. But I'm just worrying because, you know, what, what, if somebody's, what if somebody's listening that is actually a pheasant plucker and they're worried that they could be at risk? Well, it's worth, worthwhile just checking. And, and what probably washing ta- your hands. Hand yeah. hand sanitizer. Yeah, face masks. Face Although masks. face masks would be hard if you're a pheasant sexer, because you. <laughs> oh, well, you got trying to... to sex them. You know, see what yes. sex they are. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, common job. Anyway, right. by the peasants. Yeah. Pleasant peasants. <laughs> Chickens. Oh, we went to that. Uh, there are another 140 species that are also susceptible. Many are wild birds, including waterfowl and seabirds. And they can all carry the virus without showing any signs of infection. The virus is most likely spread from wild birds, particularly ducks, contaminating food or water supplies. Migratory birds, predominantly shorebirds and waders from nearby countries, can pose a risk if they harbour avian influence infection and then mingle with and transmit this infection to waterfowl that are nomadic within Australia. These nomadic birds can then mingle with and spread the infection to domestic birds such as poultry. So it can be spread by movement of eggs, birds, people, vehicles, and equipment between farms and by clothing, footwear, aerosols, water feed, litter, biting insects, and vermin. There's no current effective treatment for birds once clinical signs appear. There are vaccines available, but uh, they're not permitted in Australia. So are they um, some of those Russian Russian vaccines, like with the coming out of the same ones where they're making the, the COVID vax? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's vaccinate all the children and see if it works. Yeah, great <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Avian so think, why am I bringing it up? Well, I think the big thing, thing for our listeners, I mean, I'm sure there are some pheasant, pleasant, peasant. What were they? Some, some pluckers. Some ple- so maybe some pleasant pheasant fanciers out there who are listening. Don't get too many Fs. I'm just getting stuck <laughs> as it is. <laughs> but think of it might have got a lot of people listening. They might have some backyard chooks. Right. So if you've got backyard chooks in those areas in the Bansdale area or that uh, the, around Meredith, it? the I've Golden Shower Shire. Yeah, what, Meredith. Yes. Meredith, is it? Around Meredith. Yeah, yeah, Meredith's bang in the middle of Golden Plains. Hence why the Golden Plains Festival. Is she a is listener? Meredith, Auntie Meredith, absolutely. Patreon supporter? Not Thanks. sure. Auntie Meredith. Auntie Meredith. She's great. So make sure your birds are kept separate from other birds, like wild birds, if you're in those areas. Because yeah. that, that's how it might catch it. And watch for symptoms of bird flu in your backyard chooks, like, well, sudden death. Death? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Keep an eye out for sudden death. Yeah, that's, you know? that's, yeah, that's yes. something to be mindful of. You that's, might notice that. Generally mortal. 
generally final. Birds with difficult breathing, such as coughing, sneezing, or rasping, swelling, and purple discoloration of the head. <laughs> right? Comb. That, that, that's, that, that's not, not being due to a rubber band being put around their neck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's that? Comb, wattles, and neck. So purple, comb, wattles, and neck. Rapid drop in eating, drinking, and air production. Ruffled feathers, dopiness, closed eyes, and diarrhea. Or death. Well, yes, yeah, death. That's not a deal, is it? <laughs> and, and, uh, and if your bird's showing any of those symptoms, don't try and kiss its boo-boo better. No, don't get bring inside in where it's warm and cuddle it. Not a good no. idea. And separate it from the other chooks, probably. Yes. Um, so biosecurity measures are really important, I guess. If you're bringing new chickens in, maybe, into, into your flock, keep them yeah. separate for a extended period of time maybe yeah or don't don't yeah. don't bring any new yes. ones in at, at this time yeah. um and practice good hygiene you know um you know, make sure you change your shoes clean your shoes between different pens of, of chickens and that sort of thing um and if you you know uh, been outside down to the beach you know stepping in seagull poo all that sort of thing just just really good hygiene with your backyard chooks at this time yeah or if you've been cuddling ducks right yeah yes yeah. yes pleasant or plucking ducks. pheasants pleasant yeah. ducks isn't ducks and also now i'm gonna i'm hijacking today's uh, podcast mate. go for it man i've got i've got a thing on the the covid restriction so as we were talking earlier we are in stage four in metropolitan melbourne um and then regional victoria is in stage three so i did want to just go through some common asked questions about what are you allowed to do with your animals sort of situation now yeah. that we've got curfew and, and you, you know, we're not meant to travel more than five Ks from home. Um, so I've got this from the agriculture Victoria website. Um, and uh, first question is, can I take my animal to the vet? And we would say, yes, yes, yes. Uh, you can take your animal to the vet. If there is a general, genuine animal welfare issue. So as a vet, uh, if you don't know if that's the case, you can certainly ring your vet and ask them, do I need to come in? You know, uh, do I need to have this vaccine or can this wait six weeks or whatever it is? Or, mm. or is, uh, is this broken leg a welfare issue potentially? Yeah. We would say yes. Yes. Uh, you, you should stay close to home where possible, but you may travel beyond five kilometers to the nearest provider. So you probably can go to your usual vet, although yeah. your usual vet should be your closest vet, I guess it's saying. Yeah. And, and I think the, the, the thing with that is, um, I mean, particularly like if it's something that's an emergency or it's in, you know, um, it's after the, the lockdown, mind you, after the curfew, you know, your normal vet's probably going to be closed, but, um, but you just make sure that you've got something from your vet saying that you're going there. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about the curfew in a minute, I think, but this is, um, you know, certainly ring the vet clinic before you turn up. Um, just to, you know, because they'll have new new procedures in place. So whether outside the clinic and what you need to do um, when, when you arrive, obviously don't go to your vet if you've been unwell or in yep. quarantine or isolation or COVID positive. But do ring your vet because we can, we will still help you. We'll still help your pet. Um, you know, get to the vet if you, if you're doing any of those things. So don't feel that precludes you from. Um, um, from, from coming to the vet. And, and actually the interesting thing is we had somebody 10 days ago who rocked up to the vet clinic uh, and we take, we were at that stage taking temperatures before we we're letting anyone, anyone in. Yep. And, uh, and the owner had a temperature and right. the nurse said, Oh, I'm sorry, you've got a temperature. Um, you have to sort of go outside kind of thing. Um, is there, you know, some other 
you know, we'll bring your pet inside, whatever. And she goes, oh, yeah, well, I ju- I've just, just had a COVID test. I'm, I'm waiting on the oh, result. Get get out. You got, we just, we were all horrified. We get could out. not believe it. You fool. And, yes. and I think the similar lady had, had cancelled her appointment a week early because she was hungover. <laughs> so wow. that's, that was some of the stuff that we were, de- we're dealing with. So please don't go to your vet if you're unwell. You know, ring us. We can help you. Even if you're at home alone with your pet and you're COVID positive, we can sort something out. We will yeah. help you. You may leave home between curfew hours, after outside of curfew hours to go to your vet if it's an emergency. Mm. So you probably can't go after hours for that now, trim at the vet clinic, but... Mm. Um, but uh, that broken leg, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's fine to go to. So that differs a little bit for regional Victoria. We'll, we'll focus a little bit just on Melbourne as well. Are pet stores open and what services can they provide? Um, yes, pet stores are open for food and husbandry products and so are vets. You know, we're, we're still uh, still able to get you your food, your, your medicines, anything you need, um, certainly. But give the clinic a call first so so we can tell you about our procedures. And uh, certainly with us, we're, uh, we're certainly only having pickup of food and, and worming products between 2 and 4 o'clock in the afternoons just to try and spread out the day when we've got the most staff there. That's when we can sort of handle it. It's not a lunch break and you know, or something like that that, uh, that we can't handle a big influx of people. And it also works best if you can actually give people a heads up because then it can be ready. Sometimes you can pay over the phone. So all you have to do is just go there and pick mm. it up. So it's fully contactless. Um, or at least if you've, if you've um, got it pre-ordered, well, then the staff have a chance of actually getting it ready for you. So it limits your time that you're hanging around in the car park or for you guys, you know, out on the, out on the street ready to pick the stuff up. Exactly, mate. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Um, uh, can pet groomers operate? No. I don't know if you heard the little bit of brouhaha during the week of pet stores are open. And there were certain uh, branded pet stores that have a groomer in house. Mm. And because the groomer was in house, they considered it was okay for the groomer to continue to work. So, yeah, but that's a big no, no. So no grooming for six weeks. Lots of, uh, lots of long haired poodles by the end of this, I think. Yeah. Uh, can you look for your lost pet at the council animal shelter or pound? Well, this is uh, unfortunately yep. relevant to relevant you, mate. Me. Yeah. I was actually reading this yesterday and now looking back, I go, Oh God. Yeah. When you read those things, you go, oh, I am negative to worry yes. about this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, you can, you lost your pet. Um, you know, you can call the, you need to call the council first. You can travel. You need to follow restrictions, try and stay within curfew, those sorts of things. But certainly, you know, every opportunity for you for getting your, your pet reunited with you. Um, can you, uh, can you take wildlife? You know, if you find some injured wildlife um, and certainly you are, if it's emergency care for some wildlife or something like that, that you find on the road or something like that, um, you know, uh, you can take it to your vet or your wildlife carer um, or call Wildlife Victoria to help you out with that. Um, can vet clinics or mobile vet services stay open after 8 p.m.? Now, no, we're technically not allowed to unless we're providing emergency services mm. or we're a 24-hour emergency referral service. So you may find that your local GP clinic might be closing a little bit early if they've got extended hours generally. Yeah. Um, so, so just give them a call and check with them before you, before you rock up your 24 hour emergency referral place should be your closest one to your home, ideally within five Ks, but that may not be possible around Melbourne. Um, and final one, uh, I'm a dog walker. Can I continue to work? No, if you, I, um, if you, uh, 
if you feel your dog needs urgent walking for some sort of animal welfare issue, the best bet is probably to talk to your vet about it as to what that welfare issue might be. And the vet will be able to help you. Mm. We did have a, on the one of the Facebook groups, a, a doggy daycare center that wanted the local vet to say that the doggy daycare center needed to stay open for animal welfare issues for the dogs and cats, uh, that uh, the dogs, sorry, that, uh, that need to stay there for the day. And, uh, and we wanted a blanket recommendation from the vet that it was okay for them to open. And I sort of, my thought was, uh, that's probably a no from me. Yeah. Um, but if it was an individual case that a do- an owner approached me and said, my dog has severe separation anxiety or something when I go to my essential work during the day, yeah, I have to put them into, um, you know, the dog daycare. We would certainly talk about some other issues that, that maybe other ways we could help that dog mm. just during that period, perhaps that didn't involve mixing with other, with, you know, opening up the doggy daycare. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, mate. Questions, hot, hot button topics. Yeah. Well, relevant, certainly relevant with what we're going yeah. through today. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How are we going for time? We've, I think we're 45 minutes in or so. Yeah. I reckon let's hit the disclaimer. Do you reckon? Yeah. All advice on the show is general in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information, but as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing, please let us know if we missed anything or if you need any clarification. Uh, time for a break? Yep, let's take a break, and we'll come back with a chat about the gut, microbiome, and aggression in dogs. Hey, Robbie, I'd love to give a shout out to our friends at PetSure for their awesome free webinar series. Yeah, man, I heard about those. Aren't they called Pause and Learn, as in P-A-W-S? <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, mate, there's nothing like a good acronym. It got your attention. <laughs> it certainly did, mate. But seriously, the PetSure webinars cover some amazing topics, though. They sure do. There's one on COVID-19 and pets, very topical, and essential viewing for all concerned pet parents in this COVID-19 world. Indeed, mate, and for vets as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's also another one called Setting Up Your New Pet for Success. And here's one that's really important, Helping Pets Avoid Separation Anxiety. That'd be right in your wheelhouse, wouldn't it? Oh, mate, love that. Anything on behaviour, that's absolute gold. Oh, mate, it's all gold, gold, gold for PetSure here. And you know they're presented by PetSure's Chief Vet, Dr. Danny Hulhan, friend of the podcast, and also they have a range of other pet experts for each topic, so you know you're getting the good stuff. Oh, mate, that sounds great. So to learn more about these webinars or to register, visit petsure.com.au slash webinars. Registration is free, but spots are limited. And since we've just registered, two less. So make sure you secure your spot today. Oh, T's and C's apply. Visit petsure.com.au for more information. All right, now, Lewis... Tell me about the biome. When we were talking about talking to the prof a couple of weeks ago, we were there was some mention of the microbiome, and it seems to be uh, seems to be all over the uh, all. It seems to be the new frontier. You know, yes. is it the new frontier, Lewis, or is it the wild west? And 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 why is it with a dog's microbiome? Does it have anything to do with them trying to hang off your arm? Tell us. <laughs> well, like you said, uh, you know, I think did the prof say something about it's a new 
organ or something like that, or the largest. I don't know. Anyway, so the microbiome is obviously the the bacteria, good so-called good bacteria, I suppose, that live in the gut. The microflora. Um, and, and this was a study he mentioned specifically about how there's some evidence that uh, – that the uh, and the title of the study is the gut microbiome correlates with conspecific aggression in a small population of rescue dogs. So conspecific aggression just means aggression to other dogs, really. Right. Um, and look, going through the study, I mean, all all respect to the prof, and he is an emeritus professor. Yes, yeah. I do have some reservations with the study and the linking of the definitive linking of, of the microbiome with, with aggression. So we'll start, we'll go, I'll just go through with it a little bit. Um, so obviously there's emerging evidence suggests that the gut microbiome may interact with the male physiology to influence behavior. Yes. For example, treatments with broad spectrum antibiotic disrupted the gut microbiome and decreased aggressive behavior in Siberian hamsters. Right. Good. Yeah. Okay. Known, known. In fairness, Siberian hamsters known for their just you know, r- rabid aggression. Yeah. Well, they're out there. They're they're on. They're in the Siberian. They they've been exiled. in the tundra. In yeah. the tundra. Yeah, they've been exiled to Siberia, and of course they're angry. They, they want to get back where the where the food is. Oh, Sharpening their teeth. Yes. You know. Right. Come, exactly. comrade. Yes. Additionally, germ-free and specific pathogen-free mice exhibit different anxiety levels. Right. Okay. okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, so there's Especially when put in a cage with a, with a rabid Siberian gerbil. Yeah. And given Russian COVID vaccine to see if it works. <laughs> That'd make you angry, wouldn't it? <laughs> Administration of lactobacillus raminosus reduced anxiety-related behavior in mice. And Bacteroides fragilis improves anxiety-like behavior in, ma- in a mouse model known to exhibit anxiety-like behaviors. Some good examples there. Yeah. And then we move from mice onto dogs. Right. To date, no studies have investigated the association between the gut microbiome and aggression in dogs, which is a first necessary step towards ultimately ascertaining whether the gut microbiome mediates aggression. All right. Fair call. Right. Okay. Fair cool. So they conduct an exploratory analysis of fecal samples originating from a shelter house population of pit bull type dogs. Now we know right. you, you know, I know that pit bulls not really a breed. No, no. Really. It's a crossbreed. Yeah. It's really yep. just a look that looks yep. like a pit bull. Yep. So it's not really a genetic. Uh, it's not like a, that is a poodle. Or, uh, you know, or that is a German Shepherd. Yeah. That is a pit bull type is, is really just a, something, uh, a look of the dog. So uh, these I, th- were dogs- I think, I think Rock said, Rock said, said it the best when they said, you've got the look. Yes. Nice. And that is not the way you determine a breed is no. by, you know, by taking the Rock set principle. So anyway, so these dogs were seized from organized dog fighting. Oh, <laughs> to right. determine if canine aggression could be predicted based on the composition of the gut microbiome. Interesting. Interesting. So right. a single, I've got a job for you actually, mate. This is oh, a job, okay. job for, I think it's a job. A single fecal sample was collected from the kennel of each 31 pit bull type dogs residing at a temporary shelter while in protective custody. Okay, right. Um, did they send in the Siberian hamster to go in there and get the fecal sample? Because we know that they're they're battle hardened. No, that's your job. That's this my your job. job. Do you want to get dressed up as a Siberian hamster? The inner core of the feces was sampled. 
<laughs> because we know the outer core has far too many variables on it, particularly when it comes to a, 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 a pit bull that's been, that's under protective custody. Exactly. People that's done it on the floor and then stepped it all through it. <laughs> you, you got it. There's a bit of contamination going on there. So the inner core, you have to take the inner core out because the outer core is, is, is contaminated with contact on the kennel floor. Yep. This population served as the focus of this pilot study because it enabled control over as many factors of, of, as possible, including breed type. Well, no, not really, because as it's we said, breed. it's not, not a breed. Um, environment, yeah, maybe environment. I mean, current environment, yes, I guess, but not past environment. Diet, yeah, maybe current diet, not past diet and medical care while providing access to a population with a relatively more frequent aggressive phenotype compared to typical populations. Now that's been disproven really. It's not necessarily breed related. We see aggressive incidents, but anyway, we'll take it face value. I mean, these dogs have been bred to fight, to yeah. dog fight. So perhaps they are more inclined to be aggressive. Um, but, but interestingly, or to be a bit more animal welfare employees, okay, Robbie, collected feces using okay. aseptic technique within an hour of def defecation and immediately froze them. Oh, yep, poo bag, poo, poo bag into the freezer, freezer in ne the tea room, ne next to the chalk wedges, yeah, yeah freezer in the tea room. Yeah, <laughs> God, that's great. That's pretty much what they've done, I reckon. So 14 males and 17 females received a behavioral evaluation conducted by the animal welfare agency. Now, look, I've had, I've had a bit to do with pounds and, and welfare agencies. They're not often the best at assessing behaviour in animals. Um, you know, there are some that are fantastic, but there are also some that um, that are perhaps not up to speed. So I do wonder why they didn't use a veterinary behaviour specialist to assess them. Um, so they assessed the dog shortly after intake that categorised these dogs as, as uh, aggressive to other dogs or not aggressive to other dogs. So interesting that you can have fighting pit bulls that are, you know, the pacifists that are, yeah, that uh, nah, I'm not fighting. Nope. Yeah. Nah. This goes against my grain. I've, yeah. I've, I've woken up. I've, I've been doing meditation and I've realized that this is a, I've realized the follies of my ways. Yeah. I've been bred to fight, but it's just not in me. Can't yeah. do it. Yeah. Have you ever read, I've been reading a bit, reading the Dalai Lama and <laughs> I've decided that, that fighting is, is, is not the way. So 20 of them were 21 of them aggressive and 10 of them were non-aggressive. So that's, that's a fair, it's a third of them. A duds. Really. Yeah, right. If you if you're talking success in the in the ring. Yeah. Which is not ideal. So we don't condone that. I'm not condoning no. that. It's no. Just an article. Aggressive dogs, and this is this is interesting. Aggressive dogs displayed aggression during one of three scenarios. An introduction to a life size dog plush. So <laughs> big a big fluffy teddy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Nice. And Rosie, Rosie aggressive to a plush? Oh, she 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 gets a yeah. Especially if it's got a squeaker in there. Yeah, she's looking. I can see her looking. She yeah. is, she's behind you there. I think I think I think that's called a bus to go to the toilet. Ah, right. Fair enough. Yeah. But so so Rosie would be considered she's the meekest, mildest dog going around. Yeah. Absolutely. And and so she plays with a, a toy aggressively and she she'd be in the aggressive ones, mate. There you go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, she's a fighter, not a lover. No, no. Well, I've got, I've got a, a an inner, an inner core fecal sample, you know, in the, in the, in the. Free well, uh, there's, there's an opportunity coming right, up for that. Uh, so the first one was, yeah, uh, the, the, the stuffed dog introduction to a dog of same sex behind a barrier. Introduction to a dog of the same sex without a barrier. So if aggressive, any of those instances, 
Um, so aggressive displays towards the life-size dog plush included growling, snarling, biting, biting and holding, biting and shaking, combined with tense behaviour inconsistent with object play. Now, everything they listed there sounded pretty consistent with object play to me, so I'm not really yes. sure... I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, it's, it does just doesn't sound. Sounds like the dog's just playing with it, and I don't know how you identify that without a veterinary behaviourist or someone. Does it have a smile on its face? You know, right. like it's just having fun, or is it like it's? Did it, really... pull, did it pull on the gloves? You know, are there gloves on, and then it attacks the toy, or it's more just, you know, sniffing the bum first and just then playing? Yeah, yeah. Know. Who knows? Ripping the guts out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, so we're move, moving on. Uh, so the res results came out of it from the inner core fecal sample. And, uh, and you'll, you'll be well aware of these, these bacteria, mate. The, the Firmicutes, Fusobacteria, Bacteroidetes, and Proteobacteria were the dominant phyla in all fecal samples. Oh, of course they would be. Yeah, I thought you'd expect that, mate. Yeah, yeah pretty you standard. nothing less. Yeah, basically, basically, it's just you're cool, really. It's poo. It's yeah. your cool. It's basically yeah. your cult. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure. Pitbull, your cult. Pretty sure that they just listed the label. <laughs> the relative abundance of these prominent phyla also significantly differed across aggressive and non-aggressive dogs. And then they go on. So there were specifically some bacteria that were more present in uh, and more abundant in non-aggressive dogs, and then some in more aggressive dogs. Um, and they they list them, and I won't bore the listeners with all the different names. I don't think it's particularly relevant. Um, so then the accumulating evidence indicates that the gut microbiome acts as an agent of the nervous system and influences affective disorders such as anxiety and depression. I think here we go. Here's, our, here's, here's the meat. I think there is a bit of, bit of stuff going along those lines. However, it's unknown if the gut microbiome similarly relates to animal aggression. Our exploratory analysis of a population of rescued, sheltered, housed dogs links the competition of the gut microbiome to, to, aggressive, to other, aggression to other dogs. Well, this associative study cannot disentangle cause and effect. So a bit like the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the poultry we were talking about earlier, we can't tell what came first. You know, we're aggressive first and then change the gut microbiome or maybe the gut microbiome caused us to be aggressive. Mm. Um, and they sort of talk about that. But then they sort of make some interesting statements. Um, results indicate that the gut microbiome may contribute to aggression or its severity and that manipulation of the microbiome, e.g. by probiotic administration, may alleviate the behaviour. Now, I reckon that's a really, Woo! really, that's a big bow to draw right Problem there. solved. Yeah. yeah. Problem solved. You're cool. Give, you're yeah, cool. listeners, you give, <laughs> if your dog's a bit aggressive, give them a cute cult. And it's yep. solved. Yep. Do, do, have you got a, band, a problem with your Siberian hamsters trying to kill you? Why not give it your cult? <laughs> Improve or, its biome. Maybe there's an opportunity there for you, mate. Rosie, although we, we, we've typified Rosie as aggressive, but Rosie, you could get an inner core sample of her feces. Yes. Make a little bit of a milkshake. Yes. And that aggressive large breed dog that comes in your clinic, just, just take this before it comes in. Forget your Zilkane. Just yeah. take this. Sorry, Zilkeen. We've replaced it with <laughs> Rosie's inner core poo sample. Stored in the chalk wedge fridge. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. You just <laughs> got to make sure you get the right one. Otherwise, you might end up with the, with the chalk wedge up the, up the, up the coit. So well, there are a few yeah, sort of claims that, that are made. There are a few claims that have been made by the um, – uh, and, and they do – to their credit, they do go on. And there was a um, 
The lead author, Nicole Kirchhoff of Oregon State University, has come out and make a few statements about it, which sort of declarify a little bit more on being a bit facetious. The paper is just the very first step. I'd really like it to see it be much more expanded, she says. It'd be really cool if we got to a point where we could try some diet interventions or probiotic interventions to see if using some of these treatments could help these aggressive dogs. That's the future I'd like to see. Probiotic treatment, prebiotic treatment, diet intervention. But we don't know if the bacteria cause the aggression or if the physiological changes are affecting the gut bacteria. So I think... I think um, you know, she's certainly trying to hose it down, which is understandable. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. She's trying to keep it tempered a little bit. Exactly. The study didn't prove any clues as to whether gut bacteria could be used as a diagnostic tool or as treatment. However, the potential is there for others to come and expand upon the work to answer these questions. Great. It is just a pilot study. In the meantime, Kirchhoff is guarded about the results and the public's reaction to the data. Well, maybe we need to send this to the prof. She says the public interest isn't surprising because people want their dogs to be happy and fearful of or aggressive dogs aren't. The potential for therapy is exciting, but she and her team worry about potential exploitation of probiotic products. Oh, oh, there goes our rosy idea. Oh, yeah, so much for that. We're going to sell it for millions, weren't we? And, and, and she produces a lot of it too, mate. <laughs> so we, we would be sir it. <laughs> Uh, she cautions against the use of probiotics as a cure or treatment until further research has been conducted. There's a concern of how the media has interpreted my work and others work in this field, which is why my advisor and I specifically wanted to make sure we oversaw the press release the university put out because we wanted to be cautious. Ultimately, more research is needed to determine the findings can lead to therapies to treat aggression in pet dogs. In the meantime... Oregon State University has started a citizen science project project collecting dogs' stools. Wow. For information on how you or patients can participate, visit the Microbiome and Behaviour Study uh, and go to www.thehumananimalbond.com and maybe, or maybe do a search online for it. And you can send in some poo. How easy is it to do that from Melbourne Stage 4 lockdowns, Lewis? Yeah, is it going to be easy enough for me yeah. to be able- Australia Post, they're all over it, mate. They, the, you, what, what I suggest you do, you, yeah. you go and get some Rosie's stool. You, you, you get them and st- store them next to the sourdough levy and you got in the fridge there. Yeah, it's ready and, to go. It's yeah. ready to go in the oven now, yeah. but ready I, for lunch. Yeah. yeah. Well, I reckon if you put it next to it, it's going to add some extra, something extra, mate. Um, have you had a look as well to see how many postage stamps I need to put on the plastic bag that I collected Rosie's poo in just so I can just put that straight on there? Because I've often thought when there's no rubbish bins around and there's a letterbox, how easy it would be to actually just put the poo in the letterbox. Um, but I could legitimately do it if I'm sending it to Oregon as long as I've got enough stamps on there. So Yeah, we could look into the price. I'm tipping. Maybe we could send them to the decal gal and she can forward them on. <laughs> Store it up. We get a big bucket next, right next to that sourdough starter there. Big yes. bucket of it in the in the freezer. Smoosh it all around. Yeah, yeah. So, that it gets, then, it's a, so it's a homogenized sample. I, I reckon she's she's gonna she's gonna cut us off, mate. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna hear from her about that. I don't think it's Sorry, gonna work. Suzanne. Yeah, yeah, just, maybe maybe maybe, the, maybe her her internet glitched just as she was listening <laughs> to that part. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Anyway, so there you go. So interesting article. Uh, no convinced, not convinced at all. It's just a start, but but yeah. interesting sort of area that that that's the field we're moving into, isn't it? You know, the, the uh, microbiome. I think the um, unfortunately, with a lot of things, unless 
big companies are planning on making big money on it for the vet on the veterinary side of things, we're often a long way behind, but yep. um, I think there is an awful lot to be learned an awful lot to be gained from using that because when we graduated, there was nothing yeah. spoken about, you know, about this stuff. So, you know, I, I, I do think it's the, um, the future of, uh, well, that, I think oh, that's yeah. going to be one of the things that we're going to see the big change of, like even genetic testing, we didn't see a massive change of, you know, and that was going to be the thing that was going to reinvent the wheel in veterinary yeah. medicine. Yeah. Um, but this, this could be, you know, where it's a thing of going, because it sounds like there's so many things that we can potentially help out with it. Yeah. I think there's a big area, certainly human anxiety disorders and depression disorders, and then obviously inflammatory bowel disease and those sorts of conditions as well as a big certainly um certainly a lot of research going on there so it'd be interesting to watch this space and whether there's some spillover into the siberian hamsters as well oh we can only hope yes now we've got a big interview coming up in a couple of weeks haven't we mate yes we sure do yeah we've got a um a specialist anesthetist yes yeah we do and um and what we need is if you've got any questions out there about anesthetics in cats, in your pets. Yes. Um, maybe you're wondering if uh, if your 17-year-old cat with renal failure, heart disease, diabetes, and hypothyroidism is a suitable candidate for a, a scale and polish, a dental yes. clean. A routine, that routine scale and polish, yeah. Or whether that might be a risky anesthetic. Yes, whether or not. Or, or maybe you just, you just want to know anything about anesthetics. So please send us some questions because like maybe what, what's your favorite machine that goes ping? Yes. If you're a vet. <laughs> yeah. What's the best ding machine to get? Yeah. Makes noises. <laughs> <laughs> um, please send them into us. You can get us at two vets, talk pets at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, the, the talk, talk, uh, Twitter, um, anywhere you want to send them to us, you can find us We're at Patreon. Um, but yeah, we would love some questions. We have got, a whole stack of questions that we want to ask. But yes. We want to know if you listeners out there, if you've got some questions. So please let us know. It's, um, it's pretty good being out when we get um, specialists that are uh, willing to give us some of their uh, valuable time. And uh, yeah, there's a, what a perfect opportunity to ask some of those burning questions. Cause we, we, we often, because we give anesthetic animals, anesthetics all the time, it sort of almost becomes sort of second nature to us, but for an owner, their animal having an anesthetic, it can be a, it can be a stressful thing. So oh, yeah. if you've got questions that you want to ask a specialist, ask away. What a, what a perfect uh, forum to have your questions answered. Excellent. Excellent guys. All righty. Well, I think that's pretty well a wrap, mate. Got anything else? That's it. Other than goodbyes. All righty. Scratch you later. Goodbye. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.